All right. Welcome back in, everybody, to the Phantom Football Podcast. We are so excited to have you back as an audience listening to us as you do every single week from wherever you listen from. We are on fire for the offseason right now, covering all sorts of things. Tonight's focus will be offensive free agents in the NFL. Simon and Ronan, so good to be back. Thank you for covering last week. Simon, how are you doing? Ben, I'm great. Welcome back. We missed you, Ronan and I. The kids were playing. We we went long last week. Uh, we're hoping you keep us a little bit more on track here this week. Welcome back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ronan, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm still recovering from last week, trying to make up. You know, tried to be a little bit more long winded since uh, you weren't there. Um, but it, today was wild. It felt like uh, every time I put my phone down and picked it back up, I had six new Twitter notifications. Uh, shout out to NFL Twitter. It was a it was a good day to be on it today. All right. Well, for our audience listening, um, thank you everyone for being back. Um, before we get into, and we're going to be loaded on offensive free agents tonight. We've got 25 guys lined up, plus probably a couple more we're going to get into. But before that, we've got uh, just a few news and notes. We're going to hop on real quick, just so you kind of keep up with what's going on, because the madness is already setting in. It's only going to get worse for the next two or three weeks, but let's just try to keep up the best we can. Um, Vikings release Eric Kendricks, not a huge surprise, but still um, noteworthy. Cardinals release both Robbie Anderson and... Uh, Rodney Hudson off the offensive line. The Rams, in a bit of a surprise, released Leonard Floyd and are looking allegedly to trade Allen Robinson. Ronan, I'll start with you. Anything stand out to you there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, as a Rams fan, someone who's covered the Rams, uh, the Rams trying to move Leonard Floyd came as a bit of, of a surprise to me. Um, you know, we're talking about a team who had an abysmal 2022 season. And they're trying to scrape back together whatever they had in that 2021 Super Bowl run uh, in a 2023 push, which might be the last final push of, you know, McVay, Donald, Stafford, Cup era. Uh, So Leonard Floyd, a guy who I believe has had nine sacks in the past four seasons, um, he's put up a lot of production. He was a very bright spot on a very dim defense last season. So uh, Leonard Floyd, if you know the Rams do end up letting go of him, he's going to be a, a big name this offseason because pass rush is a place where teams love to improve on. Absolutely. Simon. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously I'm going to navigate towards the Cardinals and that offensive line. Rodney Hudson was the only guy that was said to be basically under contract that played any real snaps last year, and he was even hurt last year so. They're tearing that thing down to the studs. Um, but, yeah, other than that, not a whole lot of surprises outside of, you know, what the what the Rams are doing. Vikings and Eric Kendricks, we weren't quite sure. I think before the Flores hire, Eric Kendricks was a guy that was more of a lock to be cut. And then Flores comes in, and you wonder if they can kind of work something with him. Um, but this frees up, I think, about $10 bucks for the Vikings. So uh, it definitely makes sense on paper now that we see it. Yeah, and I'll say this real quick. I, I love Kendricks, but some of these teams, and we're going to see it for the next couple of weeks, put themselves in boxes where they don't have any choices. Um, they, they just literally, it's just restructure everybody or it's get rid of somebody you didn't want to get rid of. And and so, you know, um, without getting too deep into the Vikings situation. Another name I will say, Robbie Anderson for the Cardinals wide receiver. If somebody's, listen, he's not a number one guy, but if you if you think you're close to winning a Super Bowl, and you want to toss somebody in that may help you depth-wise, uh, Robbie Anderson certainly a guy 
that can do that. Uh, another set of news and notes here. Titans released Bud Dupree. Uh, the Chiefs finally let go of Frank Clark. Calvin Ridley is reinstated. And the commanders, Deron Payne, got tagged. Simon, you're up first. Yeah, so we just wanted to touch on Deron Payne. We're not doing defense this week, but Ronan and I did talk about that last week as a probable probable move that the commanders were going to make, and it happened, I think, the next morning, the morning that the podcast released, so there's that. Um, Calvin Ridley, we talked about two weeks ago when we talked about the Jags and their cap situation. They don't need to go try and add another receiver now. That's a that's a loaded room. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really excited to see that. And then I just want to say Titans, Bud Dupree, um, it, I, I'm glad he went and got paid coming from Pittsburgh. It was a bummer that he's been hurt for two years. It's going to be interesting to see where he lands and what kind of path he's on at this point in his career. Roland, those four names, what's jumping out at you? Uh, Bud Dupree, for um, the sole reason that we're watching the uh, the former number one seed Tennessee Titans kind of tearing it all down. Uh, most recently, Taylor Lewan was let go. Robert Woods was let go. And uh, now Bud Dupree. So we're, we're going to be looking at a different Tennessee Titans team this coming season. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we, like you mentioned, we've already seen them do a cluster of moves uh, a week or so ago. And now here another name starts to fall. So you're right. It does seem like they're going in a different direction. And we'll see what it is. Uh, Mike Brable is in that organization swinging a big bat now. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what direction he goes here. Simon? Yeah, there there was a conversation around Tennessee and, and the Phantom uh, Sports Industries NFL Slack. I don't want anyone to get mixed up and think this team is you know tearing it down and, and tanking and giving up or anything like that. Rabel won that battle, like you said, Ben. He is not just going to lay down and, and tank for a year. That's not what this is about. Um, Bud Dupree played less than 60% of the snaps in the two years he was there, and he was set to make $17 million this season. That's a cap move. Um Taylor Lewan, same thing. He's been injured off and on for years and years and years. His play has definitely been on a big downswing as well. That's a cap move. It's those, They weren't counting on those guys or trying to win with those guys for the last year or two. Um, the Robert Woods one, I, I find interesting. I think that might have been a, a case of they just didn't know what they were getting when they brought him in potentially. That wide receiver room has definitely been in turmoil uh, for, for a year in a half now, not knowing, you know, losing Corey Davis in free agency of the Jets two years ago, trading AJ Brown, um, bringing on Julio Jones, bringing on Robert Woods. I think they just don't know what they're quite looking for in that wide receiver room. But as long as this team has Vrabel, I, I expect them to be trying to compete. I don't think we're going to see any real names, any guys that are real starters, real contributors move unless they're getting an upgrade. So like a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill, I'm not expecting him to be traded. I know there's the thought of that or be released unless a corresponding move is to get an upgrade, is to get an Aaron Rodgers or, or somebody else like that in the building. Um, this team isn't, they're not laying down for anybody. Uh, Vrabel's not going to let that happen. That's why the GM got fired. Uh, Ronan, did you have any more thoughts on the Titans? Yeah, well, just with that being said, you know, today the I don't know who reported it initially, but it seems like Derrick Henry could be getting shocked yeah. this offseason. So, you know, could they be rebuilding? Would that be a rebuilding move? Or do you think that they could still, quote-unquote, reload even with a Derrick Henry trade? Because he's the focal point of that offense. I I don't buy into that, that, uh, that stuff about Derrick Henry. I think it... 
I think it was Pro Football Network that tweeted that out. And, you know, with them, I, I've found that you always got to see where they're finding their source from. And it's somebody from like the Bali Sports Network. Um, until I see Fowler, Shefty, Rappaport, uh, Pelissaro, like somebody like that tweet something. There's so much misinformation out there, especially in March and April. Between free agency, tag season, draft season, there's so many smoke screens from agents, players, rival GMs, team executives, um, anybody, wherever these people are getting this information or potentially making up this information in a hot point of the year for uh, football clicks. I'm not buying it until I see someone of real, you know, substantiated evidence and, and just standing in the NFL and in the Twitter community, really, until they say it, I, I I don't see it. I don't see it happening. And just for our audience listening, just so they have more information about what we were just talking about, Derek Kendry is 29 years old at the moment. He's got a cap pit of 16 mil, dead cap is 10 mil. So um, just for those listening, want some uh, extra information on that. We are ready to cover some free agents here. All right, guys. So just so the audience knows what we're doing tonight, we are going to hit basically what we kind of consider the top five free agents on offense at each spot. It may not necessarily be the top five, and these names are going to change constantly as teams start to release some of these players. We're going to start off at quarterback, and no better place to start, Simon, with you. Derek Carr for uh, the Raiders used to be, not anymore. Um, talk to us about that. Yeah, so Derek Carr, the first domino to fall, the big true free agent uh, of the offseason to start is going to the New Orleans Saints, signed a four-year, $150 million deal uh, with about 60 mil coming to him at signing in this first year. Um, really, obviously, just a huge move. We talked about it a little bit last week. Whereas, while I think all of us were on the same page with what we thought they should do, right, just eat it for a year, man, clean this thing up, move on, um, there was a route for this sort of thing happening. And, and we talked about it last week. Restructure everybody. You save four to five mil by cutting Jameis Winston. Michael Thomas, when you eventually cut him, is going to save you two to three mil at this point. And we've seen it. They've already restructured almost everybody that's a candidate to be restructured, I think, except for Marshawn Lattimore and um, Cameron Jordan, who are the guys they'll save the most money from in doing this. But they'll definitely have to do that now. Um, and now that they've done it right our whole thing with getting one of these veterans was just how are they going to do it now that they've done it though man i'm kind of excited i'm in i'm buying in mickey loomis you did it again way to go you're the heisenberg you can't keep getting away with this but he's doing it um this team won seven games last year with andy dalton the ghost of andy dalton at quarterback uh you plug Derek carr and that's at least two more wins right and just factor in you know okay now we know what it's like with dennis allen at head coach um now we have a direction to head into. We have this quarterback. We, we're going to get this quarterback controversy of when Winston's the starter, mysterious back injury, no longer the starter, just on the bench making a bunch of money. Um, this team has a direction. I'm kind of excited. What do you guys think, Ben? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's kind of funny, right, watching the Saints be this much over the cap but then be one of the big players for one of the big fish, right? Sure, why not? It's a little funny. But uh, Ronnie, go ahead and give us your take on it, Matt. I, I love it. Um, I have no idea how that worked. Uh, I, I think Simon and I were 
we agreed that there was no way that the Saints were going to be able to fo- to figure out a way to pick up a, a quarterback, especially a premier free agent quarterback. You know, one of those top three guys that you know we're about to start talking about here. Uh, but shoot, they did it, and you know, once they you know, make a couple necessary moves, uh, th- this might be a fun team to watch, especially in a depleted NFC South. Um, you know, I, I think they. They saw their opportunity. They looked around the conference, and nobody really has a quarterback as of right now. So they took their shot, and you got to respect it. It sounded like Carr could have gone to the Jets, but it it seems like uh, they're a little bit too in love with Aaron Rodgers, and that you know that might have played a very very big hand in you know why Carr is now a Saint. And to add on top of that. I, I believe the Saints were one of, if not the only team, to offer a package to the Raiders before Carr was cut. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that pulls some weight too. You know, Carr feels welcomed there, especially after getting cut in Vegas and then going to the Pro Bowl. You know, g- going somewhere where he feels welcomed, uh, I'm sure, was a big priority. That's a fascinating point, Ronan. I'm going to keep it with you here. We're going to switch gears, but Geno Smith, number three on our list of QBs here. Go ahead and break the news on him, what we think is happening there. Yes, sir. So Gino signed a three-year, $105 million contract. Uh, he's going to be getting $52 million in year one. Am I reading that correctly, gentlemen? Mm-hmm. That is a pretty penny. Shout out to Gino. He deserves it, though. I mean, he took this team who uh, a lot of people had their doubts about to all the way to the playoffs. He lit up the it seemed like there was almost no difference between him and Russell Wilson so you know I believe that he probably could have maybe gotten paid a little bit more but I don't know Simon what are your thoughts on this Geno Smith deal um I love it yeah man I'm in this is this is where about the range in terms of the money that I was thinking um, I love that he's getting like four or five times his career earnings in, in this one year, basically, uh, as a 31 year old quarterback or something like that. Um, and Seattle has two picks in the first round. If they wanted to still go after a young quarterback, they could. I'm sure this deal is structured with so much being front loaded where year three they could get out of it decently enough. Uh, but at the end of the day, we saw this team have a good season last year and have the bones and makings of a really good group. I'm excited to see what he can do back. And now that this is settled, go into the draft with your two first round picks and all the other picks you have from Denver and, and put a team together, make something happen in this NFC that is still shaping up to be pretty wide open for the next year or two. I'm in. It's a fantastic Cinderella story. We don't see them that often in the NFL that a guy kind of journeys this long and then gets a huge, huge payday. So congratulations to Geno Smith. Um, I'm going to cluster three quarterbacks here. Simon, you pick one. Ronan, you pick the other. The other guy we may or may not leave out. But we've already covered several of them during the past few weeks. So um, Simon, you first. We've got Jimmy Garoppolo um, coming from the 49ers. Daniel Jones um, may or may not stick, stick around with the Giants, depending on the money. And Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. Well, I'll make this pretty easy. Let let me just quickly say for Daniel Jones, it's seeming like uh, via Twitter here, his scenario is either they're going to lock up a long-term deal or they're going to franchise tag him in New York, kind of what we've been talking about. So let me hit Jimmy G here, 
a guy that's a little bit more interesting and we could think about some some potential landing spots for him but he's kind of the like consolation to Derek Carr right I think they were pretty much in this running for all the same teams um New York New Orleans if Tampa ever restructures anybody they could get in there uh and then maybe one of these teams that needs it it might draft somebody you know like a Carolina or Indianapolis maybe they want to get him um, maybe, you know, the Raiders, if they don't make a trade, uh, a team like Arizona, depending on how long Kyler's going to be out, that could be an option. Um, Jimmy G kind of becomes the next hot guy on the market for, you know, a team that is looking to invest in one of these more veteran, more premier, quote unquote, quarterbacks. If you're in the mood for more content from Phantom Sports Industries, join me, Brandon Tim, at the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. Together, we can analyze and discuss the favorite hobby of millions of football fans in new and insightful ways by crunching the data and reviewing past performances that will ultimately help us become champions in our respective leagues. Listen anytime, and new episodes drop on Wednesdays wherever podcasts are found. Once again, this is the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast from Phantom Sports Industries. This is Brandon Tim signing out from the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll see you there. Simon, those are all great points. Um, just to kind of piggyback off of the Jimmy G conversation, uh, I love how you put it. You know, he's kind of the consolation of the Derek Carr prize. Um, I I could see Jimmy G going to a couple of places. Uh, Vegas with McDaniels, that connection there. Yep. Uh, the Jets, you know, if if they don't end up with, uh, you know, Rodgers or well, really just Rodgers at this point because Carr's out of the picture. Uh, Jimmy G could be a nice you know, little fill in, at least for this coming year. Uh, he could also just come back to the 49ers. Um, you know, people have talked about, oh, you know, maybe they bring in a veteran, you know, since Lance is, you know, shaky and Purdy's coming off of that injury. Maybe they bring in a veteran. Well, I'll tell you what, they've got a veteran you know, who's been on their roster for the past couple of years, may or may not have led them to an NFC championship. You might just want to bring him back. Um, and then yeah, I also put down the Buccaneers if they can figure out the financial side of things. Uh, and I, I hesitated to, but after seeing what the Saints did today, you know, why not throw them on there? Uh, so just to continue this conversation, I guess that leaves me with Lamar Jackson, yeah? Yep. So <laughs> Lamar, th- this whole situation, everybody's – if you pay attention to the NFL, you've heard about it. Um Lamar still has yet to receive a deal. We are, by the time this airs, we'll have a couple hours away. We'll be a couple hours away from the tag deadline. And the Ravens are going to have to make a choice. Uh, They can give them the exclusive tag or the non-exclusive tag. The exclusive tag basically gives them total control. uh, Where the non-exclusive tag, it's a little bit cheaper for the Ravens, but another team can hand over two first round picks and work out a deal. I believe it. Simon, I'll go ahead and just kick it to you. You are the AFC North kind of aficionado here and you know the the money side better than I can explain it. So just go ahead and kick it to you. Yeah. All that sounds about right. I, I see exclusive tag all the way. Um, they can get more than two first round picks by trading Lamar Jackson, even on the franchise tag. Um, and I, you know, the the exclusive tag, even if it's more expensive than non-exclusive, is still 
much cheaper than the money that they would have to sign Lamar to long term to make him stick around at this point. Um, it would be it would be yeah, just kind of insane if they did anything other than that. And I I've been in this camp really since the Ravens season has ended, um, where if he if he gets tagged, a trade has to happen. You can't walk into training camp with with Lamar at that this point who seems like he wants to be completely done with Baltimore. Um so I at this point I'm expecting a tag and trade uh whether that trade happens on draft day between March 15th and the draft um after the draft like anything uh, I'm just expecting a trade to happen at this point unless between now which is 10:50 p.m. Eastern time on the 6th and 4 p.m. Eastern time on the 7th, unless they work out you know, a long-term deal, I see that tag come down, and I see Lamar Jackson going elsewhere next season. Now, okay, and correct me if I'm wrong. If Lamar gets non-exclusive tagged, and uh, let's say the Falcons, because that's been a hot team surrounding Lamar, let's say they work out a contract that Lamar likes, and they have everything set up, are the Ravens able to match that? And if they are, do they automatically get him for that amount of time? Or does he have to agree to that? They, I believe they get him automatically as long as they decide they want him. But I don't think they have to do the same deal. Because I think any subsequent extension would come after the player signs the tag and comes to that team. So I think they would still be, even if they get him on any of these tags and decide they want to keep him, they're still playing the game of will he sign a long-term deal here as well as the game of is he even going to play, is he even going to step on a field under the tag. Um, I could be wrong on how the dates all that work in terms of what the Ravens can do post somebody else wanting him, but in terms of what he would play on next year if he comes back to the Ravens, unless he works out a long-term deal, doesn't get a tag from them, he's playing under a one-year tag situation. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see how this unfolds, man. This this is going to be this is going to be an absolute blast. Ben, do you have anything to add on to Lambjack? <laughs> yeah, I I hope he resigns with Baltimore, but if if he ends up going somewhere else, it's going to be exciting watching a guy of that caliber end up somewhere else for sure. We'll be talking about the quarterbacks for the entire offseason. Um anybody want to touch Aaron Rodgers right now? I uh- if I'm the Raiders, I'm still probably doing it, man. I'm still probably pulling that trigger. You've got Devontae Adams, you got Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, they just franchise tagged. Um, you know, the the offensive line you've rebuilt that, you know, decently well in, in kind of a year or two. There's still some more work that needs to be done. But, you know, this team, man, is set up financially right now. Now the thing that I've been hearing that everyone's kind of thinking about with the Raiders and Aaron Rodgers is it seems like they could be pretty cash poor and having a hard time financially speaking. So the idea of, yeah, they have the cap space to pay Aaron Rodgers, but how much of that money are they not only willing, but just physically able to give him and, and put an escrow and all these things that you have to do with big time guaranteed contracts. Um, I don't, I don't actually know how that situation is. Other than that, obviously, the Jets are that next team. Um, but I think it comes down to one of those teams 
And I'm still on this. I, I think the Packers thing is just done. But, you know, the fact that we haven't heard anything yet is is pretty interesting in terms of saying, uh, Ronan, do you have any more Aaron Rodgers thoughts? Yeah, that, that was just a really good point about the, uh, you know, the Raiders potentially not being able to, you know, move that money around, even though, you know, on paper, it might look like they have it. Um, but on the flip side of it, if they are cash poor, and they are, you know, kind of a struggling organization, wouldn't bringing in Aaron Rodgers a back to back, well, what is it three or four time winner of the MVP award, bringing him into Las Vegas, Nevada, I feel like that that'd be a nice little injection of money, you know, if you do need that little extra spark, uh, kind of something similar to what the Rams did um, after the move to St. Louis, you know, dying organization, they moved to a new city and start getting a little bit desperate uh, you know, in hindsight. That, that's pretty much what it was, was desperation. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it can work. Yeah, Let's the... cover some running, but I'm sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, you're right. We were, I was about to take us into the no, weeds. With the, so the thing with the with the contract and how much is guaranteed and the Rodgers contact, contract is super weird to begin with anyways, but with those really big contracts, so we're talking these quarterbacks that are getting $100 million guaranteed, stuff like that. The owners, and this happens anytime it's a guaranteed contract, but it's obviously harder with these guys. The owners have to literally put that money in escrow. They have to take that money when they have that contract that entire sum and put it in a bank somewhere. It can't be a, a situation where it's like, oh yeah, we're going to pay it. And they just go about the normal operation. So again, I don't even know at this point, Rogers, and especially you add, he gets traded. Is there a trade kicker, any of that stuff? It looks like in total, his fully guaranteed money on his contract was 101 million, 415,000. And he's played one year, one year on this contract. Uh, so if we're looking at, let's even say ninety million, are the Raiders in position where they can take ninety million dollars and even put it in escrow, or a situation where they want to do that? Right, that's the question. So even if they could make that money back uh, or make more money by having Rogers in the building, do they have that capability to even do that? Whereas if they go get a Jimmy G and you give them a one year, thirty million dollar contract, you know. You could give them that at signing today and not have to worry about holding any money anywhere else. Ronan, anything else on Aaron Rodgers, man? You know, uh, nothing at this point. It, it, it's going to be impossible for us to speculate. He is the most ominous uh, character in the NFL, so... No, let's speculate. Where is he going? Let's all pick right now. I'm going to stick with the Raiders. I said all that. I know it. Uh, but he would fit it out West, man. Just stick him in Nevada. Let him go to a desert. I say the Raiders figure it out and take him anyways. So I'll, I'll die on that hill. I'm going to say that he stays in Green Bay. Um, I think it's either Green Bay or retirement, truthfully. Ben? Yeah, I, I don't have a pick on that, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> take one week off and you just like don't want to play predicting games anymore Jeez, man gosh just take us all to right. your running backs that's all you want to talk about i get it it's fine <laughs> all right what we'll do for running backs we'll go back and forth a couple of times to make sure they all get covered but i'm going to call it the top five names so the audience knows who we're covering 
Ronan, I'll start with you. You grab one guy, then Simon, and then you'll go back and forth until we've covered them all, okay? Um, that way you can talk about who's who's uh, interesting to you. Um, Saquon Barkley, currently the Giants. David Montgomery from the Bears. Miles Sanders from the Eagles. I think we all saw uh, in Super Bowl play. And Jamal Williams from the Lions. And then kind of an old name to, uh, to some of this, Kareem Hunt from the Cleveland Browns, Ronan. Yeah, I'll I'll talk about David Montgomery because he was a very solid running back. He's had a pretty solid career in Chicago, all things considered. It's not like he's had the best offensive line. Um, and it, it's been a pretty lackluster offense, to say the least. He's going to be an interesting case this season or this offseason. Chicago, they have a ton of money to spend. Um, they don't really have a reason to move off of them. I personally see him getting tagged. Uh, I don't see another player on that Chicago offseason or future free agent uh, that that's worth tagging. So kind of similar to, I'm sure one of us will get to it, um, Saquon Barkley. You know, it's just more of a – he's a solid part of the offense, and you can keep him around for a, a decent price on the tag. So why not just keep him around? Simon. Yeah, I like Montgomery maybe the most on this list in terms of if I was a team looking to shell out a, a three-year contract to a running back just with Saquon's injury history. Um, now, obviously, Saquon, to, to go to the next guy here, he's kind of waiting on to see what happens with the Giants and Daniel Jones. I think he's going to get – I think if they work out a long-term deal with Jones, he's getting the franchise tag. And I think if Jones gets the franchise tag, then we'll see. I'm sure they're kind of dealing with both simultaneously. What would a Saquon long-term deal look like? Should we tag Jones and vice versa? Um, I think Saquon ends up back in New York. I think he kind of refound himself here this last season under Dayball. Even if it's they just do like a two-year deal, that's easy to get out of in year two. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be ready to leave, and I just don't. I'm very fascinated to see, you know, this group of running backs, especially these three younger guys, Barkley, Montgomery, Sanders, what the running back market looks like. Um, we, we talk about, you know, what do you do giving these running backs second uh, contracts? Do you do it? Do you not do it? How much do you give them? Yada, yada. Um, so I think Saquon's going to be an interesting test case coming off of a good year, but I, I see him going back to New York. Ronan, we've got three more guys left here. Miles Sanders, Jamal Williams, Kareem Hunt. You know, one name that stands out to me actually is uh, Kareem Hunt. Um, he's had a lot, or he had a lot of success in Cleveland as you know, kind of the uh, the second back in a, a very run heavy offense. And I, I could see him. I he could come back to Cleveland, of course. Um, but but I think there are going to be a couple of teams that will be giving him the call for a little bit more of a uh, primary role. Um, a team like Denver who Javante Williams report came out uh, earlier that he might not be where he'd like to be come the start of the season after his injury. So you know, that's something to keep an eye on. They Denver might not have a running back or at least their starting running back going into the season. So bringing in a guy like Kareem Hunt, who's already played next to uh, or behind a, a power back, uh, you know, maybe down the line week 10, week 12 of the season, if Javante's healthy, you know, uh, Javante Williams and Kareem Hunt duo in the backfield would be pretty nasty. Um, and, and then I could also see him going somewhere like Miami or Philly, where it's kind of a a, a running back by rotation 
uh, type of deal. But you know, maybe he he steps in as the uh, the number one if uh, if a team like Philly can't keep a guy like Miles Sanders, uh, which Ben or Simon, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about Miles Sanders, but that was a pretty nice little layup. That was great, man. I wish I had more to say. It's whatever I have to say about Miles Sanders. It doesn't do justice to the transition you just made. I don't really know what to say about Miles Sanders. I don't know how much we learned about him in Philadelphia, the way they they run things and and the way his role has kind of seemingly even week by week kind of gone in and out. I think he's a talented guy, but I think this running back market, this group here, I think Montgomery's ahead of him. I think Barkley's ahead of him. Um, I will be interested to see if a team thinks of Hunt as, as a guy or not, or if he has to go and, like you said, be in a committee role again. Miles Sanders, though, is the one that I think I I feel like I have the least handle on in terms of is this a guy that can go be a feature back somewhere just because we never saw them really attempt that. Um, A guy that isn't going to be a feature back, but I think is going to get paid is Jamal Williams. And I think he's just going back to Detroit. I think both sides see the importance, see the value there. And I think they're going to be the type of franchise to not be so shrewd with leaders like this. Or they're, I don't think they're going to be the advanced analytical speaking. We can't pay a running back. Now, they're not going to pay him $15 million. They're not going to pay him Alvin Kamara money. But for a, a goal line short yardage back who is in his upper 20s and is going on his, what, third contract now at this point? Um, I said upper 30s, upper 20s. He's not in his upper 30s. Um, you know, I think they're going to pay him. I think they're going to reward him for the season he had. And they're going to show, hey, you come to Detroit, you be part of this culture, uh, and you play well, and you will get paid. So I, I fully expect him to be back in that role. Miles Sanders, I think, is the the biggest question mark for me in this. Um, Ronan or Ben, did you have any more Miles Sanders thoughts in particular or any other running backs that we haven't covered? I completely agree with you. Uh, I, I personally have no idea what Miles Sanders really brings to an offense. Um, just because that Philly offense was just so damn productive and th- there were so many positive aspects of that team where, you know, it- it's hard to, you know, differentiate what was Miles Sanders and what was that offense just being a well-oiled machine. Uh, and then I also agree with you on Jamal Williams, um, De- Detroit, that the- they're on their way to building a culture. And it all starts with paying the right guys and bringing the right guys in and having leaders. And I think Jamal Williams definitely proved that he's a leader and he has a place uh, or a place on this team. Uh, ben, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, the running back group as a whole, I think we mentioned it. There's some question marks with all of them, and yet there's some intrigue points with all five of them for sure. Simon, anything else on running backs? Just wanted to throw in the the housekeeping note that Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard did get franchise tagged by the Raiders and the Cowboys, respectively. Cowboys, we we talked about last week what Tony Pollard would get. I think we both kind of speculated that, hey, he'll maybe he'll get the franchise tag, and that way they can kind of just work on his rehab, get, try to get him back on the field at some point during the season, and then go from there. So wanted to get those two in um the conversation just getting their their franchise tags going back to their teams next season all right perfect we will revisit and by the way we'll be talking about all of these people the entire off season so this is just kind of our first crack at some of these guys and we'll talk about them again when we see what team they end up on 
Um, wide receiver spot. They, I want to start with the, the troubled name first. And Simon, I want to keep it with you first. Michael Thomas of the Saints. Obviously, two or three years ago, this was this guy was projecting to be one of the best wide receivers in football. Maybe was. And, and now there's some questions about that. And then, of course, we talked about the Saints and the money and all that. So what's your feelings here on Michael Thomas? He's going somewhere with, with one of these either highly regarded franchises or highly regarded quarterbacks. Um, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago where Ronan talked about the Patriots and okay, what can they do to get a receiver in? And I just like put my head in my hands and I was like, Michael Thomas is going to the Patriots and he's going to be as good as he ever was, isn't he? And it's just going to be, it's going to be so upsetting, man. Uh, so that's my number one. I think if Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, Maybe we see that, you know, we see them finally bring in another wide receiver. Um, I can see that. Baltimore has 22 and a half mil in cap space right now. Obviously, if they were to tag Lamar Jackson, that would take up most of it, but they haven't even done any restructures or anything like that yet. So in the case of keeping Lamar or even if they trade Lamar, could that be a fit? I think those are the three teams, you know, that that first come to mind, a reach is the Giants. You know, they obviously need wide receiver help as well, but I, I don't know, although they're apparently still in talks with Odell Beckham about returning, but just figuring out what that team is going to do at the wide receiver position is tough for me. Um, but I think the Patriots and the Packers are kind of the first two teams that jump off the board to me. Fascinating. Um, Simon, I'm going to come back to you in a minute for Juju Smith-Schuster because you're obviously so familiar with him. Uh, Ronan, I'm going to hand you three names. You pick one or two. Robert Woods from Tennessee, Alan Lazard from the Packers, and then Jacoby Myers from the Patriots. I got to talk about my guy, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods, man. Um, I, I'm I'm praying with all my might that he ends up as a Los Angeles Ram once more. Um, whenever we shipped him out for a bag of Doritos, I, I was I was pretty, pretty sick about it. And so was Cooper Cup. Um, he, he's got – He's got a skill set that, you know, may, maybe not be the the flashiest to uh, the the casual fan, but he he does have some really really nice aspects to his his route running is great. His hands are extremely reliable. Uh, he, he's up there in age and he has injury history, so I, I don't think he's going to be stepping out hitting the open market and uh, getting the the deal that he might have gotten you know three four years ago. Um, but I I do think that Robert Woods still has enough in the tank to step in and uh, kind of be a leader. The Rams, like I said, was an option. Um, Simon listed uh, the Ravens uh, as a team that obviously needs a wide receiver. You know, if they can't get a guy like Michael Thomas and they're still looking for a vet, uh, someone like Robert Woods to step in there with guys like Bateman um, and and Andrews, you know, that that would be a, a solid addition. Uh, and then, you know, even bringing Robert Woods back to where he was drafted to uh, in Buffalo, if uh, if they're feeling like they need some more ammunition, you know, keep him out there. He won't have to you know, be on the field 60 percent of the game. You know, you can just kind of let him do, do his thing 30 percent of the game just and use him towards the end of the year. Uh, but, Ben, I, I don't know what you were thinking. You gave me the opportunity to uh, talk about Robert Woods and I had to take it. Uh, but that that's my spiel on, on Bobby Trees if uh, Simon wants to talk about Juju now. I Gosh, I the Titans, I think, just really didn't know what they were doing with that position because he felt like he would have been perfect there in terms of the toughness and everything. 
so many teams should be looking at Robert Woods and what they can get him for in terms of being a blocker, being a third option as a receiver. I think we could name 10 to 15 teams that would all be on the market for that. So I think he's going to get, I think he's going to land somewhere pretty quick. Like you said, everyone, it's probably not going to be for huge money, but I think he'll, I don't think he'll be without a home for long. Uh, going over to Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously a great year for Kansas City. I think led their receiving room in uh, receiving yards. Obviously played a role in the Super Bowl in the second half, getting a lot of catches over the middle. He had all of his incentives in terms of playtime and uh, statistics. I fully, fully expect him to be just right back in Kansas City. I don't think he had the kind of year that someone's going to go out and want to pay him $12 bucks a year. Now, it is a kind of depleted wide receiver market. These names that we mentioned aren't that exciting. Um, I don't think we're in for a year where the likes of an A.J. Brown and Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams all get traded again. Um, so who knows? It only takes one, right? It only takes one team to say, I want to pay this guy all the money and bring him from Kansas City. But I see that as a much less likely option than Kansas City finding another deal that works for both sides and bringing him back into the fold. All right, and I don't think, let's see, we haven't covered Lazar and Myers. Normally you pick one, Simon, you take the other. Uh, Lazar, you know, obviously he was a, a Packer last year. He's been a Packer throughout his career. Um, you, you, with his skill set, you know, he, he's tall enough and lanky enough and he's quick enough to where you, you'd hope to see a little bit more out of him. And you just didn't see chemistry with Rodgers as much as you'd like to have uh, going into this off season or this season. Uh, I, I thought Lazard would pop off a little bit before you know guys like Dobbs or uh, Watson you know would kind of get their their feet wet with Rodgers, and that that just never really happened. And I, I have a hard time seeing Lazard coming back to Green Bay if he wasn't able to do it this year. I don't know exactly when he will. Uh, and with those two rookie receivers coming in and them missing the playoffs, something's got to change. And I feel like Lazard's on his way out. I, I think he'll be a solid you know, number number three, number two, maybe, uh, depending on, on the, the scheme and uh, just kind of the setup. But you know, Lazard, another one of those names to keep an eye on. He's got the skill set to to do some damage. It's just he hasn't really figured it out or all out yet. Yeah, to, to hit on Jacoby Myers, and I want to look up one more thing on Lazard real quick uh, in terms of, yeah, so there's a lot of big slot receivers in this free agent class. We just co- we're covering them now. Robert Woods, um, Alan Lazard, and Jacoby Myers all played primarily in the slot last season. All I don't know about Jacoby Myers in particular in this regard, but good blockers, tough guys, and this is a wide receiver draft with a lot of small slot guys. So it's going to be interesting to see who's kind of valuing what in terms of the wide receiver position and primarily on the inside. If you like one of those bigger guys that can block, if you want one of the smaller, more traditional slot guys that are shiftier. Um, In terms of Jacoby Myers, another guy that's not going to go break the bank anywhere. If New England thinks they can get a significant talent upgrade, I think they'll let him walk. We see guys leave the Patriots organization and get paid every year and and not play as well as they did in new England. I think if you take that factor into effect with Jacoby Myers, you'll see it's a guy you should not pay significant money to, but again, a guy that's not going to be out on the street for long. I don't think unless he just wants to wait until after the draft to see where the best opportunity is. 
but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think this guy is going to, you know, get swept up pretty quick. I could see him going back to New England if they don't make a, a significant upgrade by getting either a star level player or, or making a trade or something like that. All right. Um, now, I, I know finances and, and scheme matter a lot, but Roland, just looking at these five, who's the most desirable guy here to you? Rams desires notwithstanding. Uh, I, I think you got to say Michael Thomas, right? I mean, we're talking about a guy who's won Offensive Player of the Year. Um, we've seen how how impactful he is to an offense, and uh, I mean, what he was—it's not like Drew Brees had, you know, some. I well, during his career, he obviously had a great arm, uh, but it, you know, throughout his last couple of years, you know, he, he was losing his arm strength and. Yeah, nobody really ever gave him a whole lot of flack for it because you know, Thomas made him look really good. Um, you know, injuries have been a huge thing for him, and uh, hopefully that'll change. Hopefully he can stay healthy for the remaining of his career because he's a phenomenal talent, Ben. Simon, real quick, any chance any chance at all Schuster heads back to the Steelers? You know, it was talked about at, at various points of the season. I could definitely see it. I mean, talk about another big slot receiver that can block. That's definitely Juju. Um, I mean, similar to Ronan and, and Robert Woods, man, I would love it. I, it would make me so happy that that team needs a slot receiver. But the thing with Pittsburgh and, and the slot, at least right now under Matt Canada, it's not a position that they really run the offense through, that they really utilize in a lot of ways. So scheme and production-wise for Juju – I don't think it's a great fit for him, but it's a great fit for Pittsburgh. And I think if they wanted to throw money at him, um, it, it'd be something that both sides would be open to. Yes. All right. So we've got the tight end group that we're going to cover. I'm going to call out five names and we'll start with Ronan first and uh, he can pick out uh, where he wants to go with that. Uh, Dalton Schultz of the Cowboys, Mike Gusecki of the Dolphins, Austin Hooper of the Titans, Hayden Hurst of the Bengals, and Foster Moreau from the Raiders. Roman. Yeah, Ben, it is a tough year to be a free agent tight end. Um, we are looking at maybe one of the best tight end draft classes we've seen in at least a long time. Um, between Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrove, uh, I, I'm sure I'm even forgetting a few. Uh, we are looking at an infusion of youth in the tight end position. And uh, it, it might be tough for a team to validate picking up a guy like Dalton Schultz or Mike Gusecki on a uh, on a bigger deal whenever they can bring in a young guy on a rookie deal. Uh, so you know, just to point out somebody, Mike Gusecki, uh, Miami, it, it seems like they're going to be moving on from him because he, he just doesn't necessarily fit what they're trying to do. Um, they're they're a run based team. And he is just not, he's not a blocker. He is a very good pass catching tight end. Um, just whenever he's down, you're, you're honestly just doing the other team a favor. Um, and I'm not trying to knock Gusecki, but, you know, it, it's just not how this team is built. He doesn't necessarily fit them. Um, but I do think he can go and be a very solid contributor elsewhere. Um I, I, truthfully, I couldn't give you a, a a prediction or you know a number of teams, uh, just because there are so many different teams that could use a, a solid pass catching tight end uh, in the NFL going into next season. 
Simon, do you want to uh, piggyback off of that and talk about one of these unlucky tight ends? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you want the cheat code, we haven't used it yet. I feel like it's like a game show. We have three freebies to just say the Chicago Bears should go get this guy um, with their still 98, 96 and a half, excuse me, million dollars in cap space. That actually wouldn't be too bad. They got an inline guy and Cole Komet, go get Mike Masicki, line him, Kasicki, line him out in the slot somewhere. Um, I don't think that would be bad. The rest of these guys, man, I mean, I'm interested in Dalton Schultz because obviously Dak Prescott loves him in Dallas, but they have two young tight ends behind him that also played well last season. I don't think it would have anything to do with the the mistakes he made at the end of the, the playoff game last season, but they have other guys there. And like you said, it's another strong draft class. So I think that could be a guy on the move. Um, Austin Hooper obviously didn't play to his contract. So I think that he's going to be gone, but I don't, he doesn't, I don't know how much value he really brings to a team. Um, it's funny. I, I was toggling between putting Foster Moreau as the number five guy on this list and a guy like Robert Tunyon, uh, Foster Moreau, I think is a sneaky, interesting tight end option here. Uh, 25 years old. He's been basically the backup to Darren Waller, uh, for four years or so here. Um, I I think he can give somebody a little something and and he can be in line. He's a good blocker, but I think he has a little more wiggle and a little more pass catching juice than he's shown, you know, over the course of the four years of his career. Um, 33 catches last year, 30 the year before. Not not wow numbers, not crazy numbers, but I think he has a little more ability in the passing game than he's shown to this point. So that could be a guy that, you know, sticks somewhere even before the draft, I think, just because at the very least, you know he can be a good number two as a blocking tight end. Um, and if you end up not getting one of these guys in the draft, I'd be interested to see him as a tight end one somewhere. Let's just say, you know, the Chicago Bears. There we go. That's number two. Are they getting two tight ends? <laughs> two are tight we end. using are we using all of our th- all three of our Chicago Bears picks on tight ends? That makes yeah, that kind of makes sense, honestly. Let, let's just throw in Dalton Schultz there. Let's just go ahead and do it. They called Bill Belichick. They asked him, how should we build a team? He said, sign all the tight ends. And then he hung up the phone, and, and that's what they're going to do. They looked at the <laughs> wide receiver free agents, and they said, all right, we'll 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 just you know go inside a little bit. Yeah, let's just, I respect let's it. Toggle, toggle over. Hit the tight end button on, on over the cap. Get off the wide receiver button. <laughs> for, I, I, th- I, think, I don't think anybody in the audience doesn't know this, but we'll go ahead and say it. For those of you who don't know, the Chicago Bears have so much cap room this year that they can sign anybody they want to sign. They can sign everybody they want to sign. They're like the kid in the candy store with $100, and they can get literally everything. <laughs> so we'll see how uh, we'll see how aggressive they do actually get uh, during this offseason. We're going to go ahead and take another tight end and pop it real quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could talk about Hayden Hurst for a little bit. Um, I believe this was his first year in Cincinnati, right? He was signed to a one-year deal. Uh, because CJ so. Uzoma was there last year, I don't know, man. the year prior. <laughs> yes, uh, hey, man, you know, I'm, we're we're yes. at the the, yes. the four. Hey, look at that. One we're at the Cincinnati. four and five spot at the tight end spots. So I'm just proud that I knew that. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, we're sitting here questioning where he even was and you know all that. So clearly, he wasn't that much of an impact on of this offense and. Uh, you, Cincinnati is one of those teams that could really benefit from uh, picking up one of those young tight ends in the second round uh, this this coming draft. 
now in terms of Hayden Hurst, solid tight end. I, I if he he'll be on an NFL roster elsewhere. Uh, I'm not worried about that. You know how many meaningful snap or how many touchdowns, what what have you, will he have? I don't know. Um, but he will be somewhere next year. All right, Simon. Um, any I I'm, I'm losing track. I don't think we've covered um. Yeah, we, I think we've covered everybody. Anybody else you want to talk about any more in depth here on the tight ends? Just for housekeeping purposes, once again, I want to note that Evan Ingram did get the franchise tag from Jacksonville. That was a guy we talked about two weeks ago. Uh, would they would they be able to bring him back and you know lock that down? So that uh that receiving core, that pass catching core, that skill group core for for Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence, Ingram, Ridley, Adden, Etienne, Kirk, uh, Zay Jones. Jacksonville's fun, man. It's looking it's looking good down there. All right, that brings us to offensive line. It is the final group that we'll cover tonight by 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 um by by tonight's offensive standards. Simon, kick it off. Offensive line. Um, I'm not even gonna try out the names. You just start wherever you want to. <laughs> All right, so let's get to it. Here's the thing with offensive line because I, I wrote these names down, and some of them that I was choosing between, especially towards the end, just weren't as they're not as exciting of names. And the reason is it's actually so hard to find good offensive linemen that you want to start 17 games for you in the NFL these days that these guys rarely make it to free agency, true, true free agency without getting a tag, without getting a fifth year option, without getting an extension done, even not just in the summer, but even during the season, uh, Elton Jenkins from the green Bay Packers and Jack Conklin from the Cleveland Browns were said to be two of the biggest offensive line free agents this year and both got extensions done in December, which is not a common time to see extensions get done. So that just kind of highlights how hard it is to get names into true free agency, even a name like Mike McGlinchey for San Francisco, a very steady, very good offensive lineman with starting experience for them for a number, number of years. Um, I don't see a world where on March 15th, he doesn't get a deal done with San Francisco. Uh, so some of the rest of these names, you know, aren't just, aren't that interested. I wrote them down just cause I have to, but you know, five year starter, uh, he's only missed handful of games across two of the five seasons he's been there, but a first round pick, uh, ninth overall. And he plays well, he's not going, Mike McGlinchey isn't going anywhere. So some of these other names I wrote down, uh, Isaac Sayamalu from Philadelphia, that's one where, you know, the the cap situation in Philly, all their free agents, that's been well documented. He is a little bit on the older side. He's not, you know, even one of the best linemen in that group. He's probably the, the fifth guy, if we're going to be honest. Lane Johnson, Jordan Mailata, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey. Um, I, I think we could see him go and be available. Now guards, they don't get paid a whole lot. So how what's he really going to be on the market? But that's an interesting one. Uh, Jawan Taylor out of Jacksonville, a guy that I, I know when Ben and I did our uh, rankings over last summer, uh, we we saw it differently, but he's a good athlete. He's a good mover, uses his hands well. But here's the thing. A four-year starter has not missed a game in Jacksonville, and he's only 25. You don't see guys like that, 25 years old, with that much starting experience who's a good athlete, even if he's not the most technically sound or the most consistent you don't see that kind of guy on the offensive line going to free agency. And they have, I think it's 
Greg Little. I've said before, I always get him and Walker Little mixed up, both tackles with those names. Uh, tackle backup Little, who came in and, and played their playoff game, I believe, uh, this season because Juwan Taylor actually did get hurt. It, you know, is is a second round pick is a guy that they very well could just let take over that spot and let Juwan Taylor walk. Now all of a sudden, Juwan Taylor, you know, a guy who's just maybe just an average offensive tackle, it could be getting ten to twelve million dollars next season because again, you just don't find twenty five year olds with sixty six games started come on the market. Um, so I think that's one that I'm going to keep an eye on. And, and then the last guy I'll mention because I know Ben, I'm going to save this guy for Ben. Uh, Caleb McGarry for Atlanta is a guy that is a very good run blocker. I think he got a very high PFF score this year after four years or three years in Atlanta. Again, no, another former first round pick who graded out very poorly, but it's the difference in the importance in scheme. Um, he actually, yeah, he was a first round pick, did not get his fifth year option picked up going into this year, but he has 62 games started and coming off a career year where in Atlanta, he went from, Matt Ryan, a statue who likes to throw the ball 30 to 35 times a game, being his quarterback, he has to pass block. Now converting into this scheme in Atlanta where they hardly ever throw the ball, and if they do, it's quick, and he gets to run block and just maul guys. He's a very good athlete, very good mover, very good push. He had a great year, and now could be looking at $15 million plus uh, on the open market if Atlanta were to let him get there. The offensive line market and the way the free agency works is so interesting. And it's how we see, you know, average players make a lot of money because they just so rarely get to free agency. Um, ben, do, do you want to, you know, talk any bit about offensive line free agency and how that works and then get to our number one guy on this list who uh, it, it was reported it's Orlando Brown, Kansas City. He will not be getting the franchise tag. You know, that's basically, that's confirmed already. It's just too high of a number for Kansas City, uh, but it, they could still work out a long-term deal. Yeah, so and there's so much to talk about here. But let me start with Orlando Brown real quick. He's, you've got him listed as number one. The Chiefs brought him in on a big trade. They they had every intention, every intention. They knew two years down the road, they're going to have to pay Mahomes. That was not a surprise to them. They knew they were going to have to pay Chris Jones. That was not a surprise. They had every intention of making him left tackle of the future and handing him millions of dollars of a season, and it's just not happening right now. If we're going deeper, though, right there on that, Ronald, I want to pull you back in because I know you're going to go to sleep on us here if we don't. So, <laughs> so Ronald, will ask you, and Simon, I want to get this for you too. Ronald, for you, for the Rams, is there a name here, and if so, who, that you would say, hey, I'd love to kind of see this guy on the Rams. Uh, who who would that be out of these top five? If you could oh. put finances to the side for a minute, because we all know finances play a huge role. But if we could put money to the side for a minute, who's the guy here that you're like, hey, you know, us and the Rams, maybe so. All five of them, Ben. And I think that's where okay. I kind of have a the different opinion. The new lineup, opinion. the new Rams offensive I, I, line. Yeah, and I might have a different opinion on this <laughs> offensive line class than Simon does, because I, I see these at least top five names. Uh, and I, I get pretty excited about him. Um, you know, obviously, like he said, you know, a, a guy like McGlinchey could definitely just be brought back, but uh, a, a lot of people, or I don't want to say a lot of people, but it, it's believed that he might have played himself out of San Francisco, he might have played too well, uh, to where you know, financially uh, they might not be able to, to handle that. But, but to, Ben, to answer your question, man, uh, the Rams' offensive line was abysmal, so. 
I'll, I'd take any of the five to be honest with you. Um, but but just for the sake of of you know keeping things uh, you know segmented, I I would say Jawan Taylor just because he's 25 years old, he has the experience, uh, and, and he plays a, a valuable position at tackle. Um, Simon said it best: it's hard to find those those young guys with meaningful experience. And uh, Taylor hasn't really. You said he hasn't missed a game. Simon? Uh, Yeah, other than that playoff game. He got hurt during that last regular season game, I believe, against Tennessee. That was when Cam Robinson went out early, and then Jawan Taylor got hurt, and then Robinson had to come in. Um, And I think he he missed the playoff game, I believe, Jawan Taylor. But uh, regular season, yeah, man, 66 games in four seasons. Yeah, give give me Taylor. Um, I, I just watched the Rams' offensive line just shuffle around all year long so some consistency would go a long way simon uh which of those five stand out to you man if if mcglinchy hits the open market he is getting i mean back up the brink truck guys i mean he is gonna get paid because that is a big dude with an anchor and he played in san francisco so you know he can get on the move i just think at the end of the day he's gonna be too too valuable for him i think if you looked kyle shanahan in the face and said you can bring back one Jimmy G or or Mike McGlinchey. Who are you bringing back? He's going Mike McGlinchey all day because the what they ask of those offensive linemen and running backs and quarterbacks in terms of being computers, the ones and zeros, make a quick decision. It's so hard to find. I don't. I can't see him going anywhere, man. Some other names on here that I didn't even include, um, mostly because I would just gush over him. You, you guys know how I feel about Roger Saffold, man. He He's on here. He's a free agent again. Um, I, I I don't see why the Bills would not bring him back. He was one of the more – well, I don't want to say that, but I, I, he's one of the more talented guys that's on that offensive line for sure. Um, everybody that was on the Cardinals offensive line is a free agent, but that's probably for the best. Uh, John Feliciano for the Giants. Uh, he was their center this year. He had kind of a resurgent year. Um, Garrett Bradbury, center from Minnesota. That could be interesting. He didn't get his fifth-year option picked up. He's now a free agent. Uh, he had his best year last year. So there's a lot of names out there that are that are pretty good. Um, but in terms of young with talent and experience, yeah, man, Jawan Taylor is great. Mike McGlinchey's great. Caleb McGarry, if he goes to the right team, is great. Um, let's use our. Let's go ahead and just use our third Chicago Bears cheat code and say they're going to end up with one of these guys. I'm with it. <laughs> I hope they do. Um, Roland, by the way, you are now officially in the Ben and Simon offensive line fan club because you decided that the Rams should just get all five of these guys. Yeah. Can you blame me after this past season? Oh, my God. It's like this we had like, took. yeah, we had 16 different combinations. It's like a froyo place. Like it's just like choose your own. What? A, yeah, give me the the top five offensive linemen from this. Yeah, I don't even care. I'll I'll put Orlando Brown at center. We do not care around here. We just we <laughs> we just want people movers. <laughs> Here's the thing with Orlando Brown and Ben and I have talked about this. I can't imagine how many minutes of podcasting. Combined have just been but spin spin on Orlando Brown when he was in Baltimore and he was a right tackle and a predominantly run blocking 
scenario in a running scheme, he was great. And it was why he got traded for, for a first round pick. Um, then he goes to Kansas city plays left tackle. Cause that's where he wanted to be. Cause that's where he was going to make the most money. Um, and it's now in a situation where he has to be a pass blocker, uh, 35 to 40 times a game, the, the Caleb McGarry effect. It's a very different situation to be in. I hope he got enough snaps in that left tackle that he gets the paycheck that he's hoping for, but he goes somewhere that whatever side they play him on, because I'm sure now he doesn't care, right? If he gets paid, I'm sure he'll play right tackle, but I hope he gets back to run blocking because that's definitely where his strength is. Um, if he's got a pass block 35 to 40 times a game, he's going to he's gonna continue to struggle and and not long-term get get the financial benefits that he's looking for listen i just <laughs> I, i'm stuck on orlando brown playing center for the rams that is now what i am wholeheartedly rooting for okay <laughs> what's the tallest center we think we've ever had <laughs> it's got to be like six six right it can't be yeah. more than that orlando brown's what six nine uh gosh hey. matt stafford better better work on his hops this offseason and I'm gonna use up. I'm gonna use up another one of my bears. One of another, we, we've used up our bears references, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm also rooting for the bears who don't need five offensive linemen now. They really need three or four. I'm rooting for the bears to just go ahead and sign all five of these top uh, NFL linemen, just so nobody else can have them. <laughs> yeah, just just so up. Yes. The Bears are one of those situations where any one of the five guys they have could probably be on a line, but you have to upgrade the other four positions. Those five can't work (laughs) together again. Um, Any of these teams, but, but I mean, so, so these five guys, right. While we're all excited and actually talking about offensive line, um, how many of these five do you guys think end up back on their team? Right. Uh, I'll go first. I think Caleb McGarry stays in Atlanta. They have the cap space. He fits the scheme. Um, they, they've they stuck with him for four years at this point. He just had his best year. I think he stays. I think McGlinchey stays. Um, Sayomalu, I want to say, stays. And, and maybe with his age, and you know, I think he was hurt a couple years ago. Um, maybe he, he ends up staying as well. Let me pull this up, all, all this. He was in the uh, 2016 draft. He's 29, uh, so he'll turn 30 at some point this season. And he was hurt each of the last two years, actually, 21 and 20. Um, So I'm going to say he stays. I'm going to say he actually stays in Philly pretty cheap. But I think Taylor uh, and Orlando Brown are both going elsewhere on the open market. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I'll go along with that. I I figure um, McGlinchey... um, Oh, well, I, and I, I'm getting mixed up now. I figure McGlinchey stays. McGarry's a toss-up. Taylor's a toss-up. Brown is gone. Uh, Suomalo probably a toss-up. So I, that's probably the directions I would go go on there. Ronan? Ronan. Well, let's see. With the way that Jacksonville's cap situation is set up at the moment, I have a hard time seeing them keeping Taylor around. So I'd say he's probably out. Uh, Orlando Brown, it seems all but certain that he's on his way out. Uh, Sayamalu, you know, I, I'm I'm on maybe the, the flip side of it. Actually, no, no, I'll, I'll ride with you guys. I, I think he comes back because it's tough to to replace a, a productive veteran, um, especially whenever he does play guard and you can probably get him back cheap. Uh, yeah, with the injury history, yeah, I, I'd say he'd come back. 
Uh, McGarry, uh, I'm kind of with Ben. That, that's a bit more of a toss-up. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I could really say on McGarry. And then McGlinchey, uh, the, the Ram fan in me wants to see him just leave, but I, I, I have a feeling that Orlando Brown would just replace him at right tackle. Um, just get right back so, to form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I can see him staying for sure. All right, well, I'm glad I got everybody to do a solid 10 minutes on offensive line. That was, that was great for me. I appreciate it, everybody. All right. Well, uh, we've covered everybody. Um, there, there are more people. There's a lot, obviously a lot more offensive free agents, but that's just the taste of what's out there on the market. Some positions stronger than others. Uh, Rona, before we send it to Simon to end things, anything else you want to talk soon on today's show? You know, it is going to be a wild, wild ride. We just talked about a lot of different scenarios. Um, you know, it feels like every off season, it, we hear the the reporters say, "Oh, brace yourselves! You, know, this is going to be the craziest off season you know, we've ever had." And then last off season happened, and they were actually right. I see this off season being a little bit less dramatic. Um, you know, maybe. Maybe like a Lamar Jackson, you know, that get that saga gets continued. Um, but other than that, kind of what Simon was saying earlier, you know, just a little bit less drama this offseason, I think. All right, Simon. Meanwhile, yeah, we're still waiting on Lamar and Aaron Rodgers. Those are the two, and and you know, both could very well end up just back where they were. So we'll we'll just have to wait and see. There is always one we don't see coming, though, so just kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop at some point. But we'll be here to cover it all, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging with us. Uh, next week, we'll come back and do the defensive free agents, very much like today's episode. We'll go through the top at each position. Um, and then it'll be the start of the new league year. The week after that, we'll, we'll hit a free agency initial recap um, after that, and then we'll start getting ready for the draft, getting the draft stuff. We're having a ton of fun uh, prepping for that and getting started there. So make sure you all are staying with us. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Phantom Football. And make sure you send us an email with any free agency-related questions or comments of, of where you want to see guys end up. Um, you can send that over at phantomfootballpod at gmail.com. Make sure you're listening every Tuesday as we hit you with every NFL piece of news and analysis that you need to get through the offseason. We thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week.